Okay, hello and welcome back, everyone. This is Ben Chiriboga, the Chief Growth Officer at Nexel, coming to you with another This Legal Life, if this is the first time that you are checking in with the podcast. Very excited to have you, have you here. This Legal Life is a podcast all around the relationships that are flowing around uh, the legal world, be it relationships between uh, lawyers and uh, their clients, relationships between lawyers, um, relationships between business development and marketing, marketing and lawyers, and everywhere in between. There is so much. This is a relationship business, and we're diving into all of it. Today, I am very excited to be sitting back with one of our OG original guests, Barbara Kunin, who is the Director of Business Development and Marketing at Ultimate. Barbara, how are you? Welcome back to the podcast. It's like the fifth or sixth time you've like done something <laughs> with us. It's so good to see you again. Thank you, Ben, for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yes, as usual, Barbara is a wellspring of knowledge whenever it comes to business development, marketing. Um, I love speaking with Barbara. Uh, we've gotten the chance to actually meet a couple of times uh, in real life, and she's just a really, really... Uh, a great uh, family friend of the uh, of the Nexel network, so it's uh, fantastic to have Barbara on. We're gonna go into your uh, to your background. If you don't know Barbara, we're gonna put uh, her LinkedIn um, in the show notes along with all the rest of the stuff that we've been doing. But I was taking a look, Barbara, at your um, at your LinkedIn, and you've been there the last month or so. Just a couple highlights that uh, I wanted to uh, to see. I know that um, you're hiring at uh, Altamini, and uh, and we'll go into what what some of those roles there. Uh, and you were also recently um, uh, nominated as a LexisNexis Legal Services Innovator of the Year, and you went into some of the campaigns around there. So anyway, uh, quick catch up. Like, what else has been going on in your life that we haven't uh, caught up with? A uh, lot's going on, though. A lot. A lot. Yes. Don't even know where to start. Yeah, the hiring is really interesting, though, because we are hiring into a few new roles, which probably are relatively new for the legal industry um, as such anyway, yeah. which is very much around sort of like a client, client insights manager uh, and markets intelligence yes. uh, specialist. Yes. Um, so that's something that I think also links into this conversation somehow so we can talk about that. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Yeah, some other stuff. I'm looking at it now, regional event specialist, uh, BD manager, market intelligence client insight. You went through that. So really interesting stuff. Um, the market intelligence and BD, yeah, that's under that's under a BD uh, manager role. So that's really interesting, but more of like a data, uh, data BD manager on that side. So we'll go into that really, really interesting. But um, but I also don't want to overlook uh, the award uh, that uh, that you're nominated for, the Lexus Nexus. You you skirted right around that, but why don't you take a little a, a quick second to to appreciate that? Congratulations! Uh, I've known you now for maybe two years or so, and uh, I know you to be a really innovative thinker whenever it comes to business development, marketing, all the rest of it. So I'm sure that this is uh, very very um, spot on. On. Um, you went into two cool things that I just want you to talk a little bit about. So the first was um, you uh, launched a thought leadership report, legal leaders in MENA, uh, Middle East, North Africa. And uh, you sort of, this was a campaign that was very interesting and cool. Maybe you can say about that. And then the second was something close to my heart as my, uh, my life partner uh, is a video artist uh, herself, a digital art 
gallery called NFT Amimi, which is, uh, just tell us a little bit about that because, you know, this sort of stuff doesn't come, and these were your words, you know, not usual in a, in a law firm, right, from a, from a marketing business development, but, you know, as an innovator, you think of these sort of things. So you wanted to say a couple words about that for, for all the rest of us business development marketing leaders out there? Yeah, absolutely. Well, this this project and both of them actually have been an absolute passion. Um, with any project that you start, you start it sort of like with um, a lot of uh, passion and ambition around it, and then mm. it turns into something that is maybe um, down the line a little bit more cumbersome than we had uh, anticipated. Um, so closer to the finish line, everybody was like, "Okay, let's just get it done." Um, but along yes. the way, like the process has been really enjoyable. But with NFT Mimi, um, we really wanted to create something special. So we basically have a um, what we call like a, a wall of fame. And this covers mm-hmm. all the uh, front covers of our monthly publication, which is called Law Update. We have a subscriber mm-hmm. base of around 50,000 people um, who wow. look into, yeah, who read our um, Law Updates on a, on a monthly basis. And Every edition has a specific um, uh, cover uh, artwork that we have created in-house. So we have a team of designers within the firm um, and they've done wow. this, um, you know, collaboratively with the with the heads of every sector because the law updates are typically sector focused. And mm-hmm. um, we wanted to bring this to life. You know, the artwork is really cool, as we may say so ourselves. And we wanted <laughs> to really put, <laughs> we really wanted to make good use of it and we thought, now is the time um, things turn digital. Uh, how about we yes. create an NFT? And you cannot believe we have a marketing focus group, and I'll speak about this a little bit later as well. But you can't believe the rea- the initial reactions that a marketing focus group is uh, primarily comprised of lawyers um, who we bring together right. from different sort of like levels. The initial yes. reactions from most uh, was oh gosh, I'm not sure about this. What should a law mm. firm do with the artwork? Like we're not a, right. we're not an art gallery. We're not artists mm-hmm. really. That's not really what we're known for. And we got all of that, but we're like, okay, just give us the benefit of the doubt. This is a marketing mm-hmm. tool for us. I think it's going to be yes. really very cool. And honestly, we went live and in a matter of, you know, I think a couple of weeks only, we were completely sold out on 950 NFTs. Wow. So we had, wow. um, yeah, and we had special drops for our clients. So it was also a tool for us to reach out to our clients and all the reactions have been nothing but so positive. Um, we gave the opportunity to uh, staff to also buy NFTs and those were only limited, mm-hmm. right? So um, we can say that the majority of the NFTs that were um, uh, that were purchased, although they were free mm-hmm. of charge, um, mm-hmm. they were all given, given out to sort of like... Um, third parties if you like like clients yeah. and all of that so yeah that's been really that's good and the thought leadership uh, piece was um, another um, major project that we launched with the marketing team um, in which we had surveyed 700 legal decision makers in the MENA region uh, to ask mm-hmm. about um, the things that are sort of like top priority on their agendas but also how their roles as legal decision makers i.e in-house counsel for example has yeah. changed to become uh, part of like um, uh, a boardroom setting so they take a, yep. a seat at the boardroom table and this yeah. has been really insightful for us because this is how we drive our strategy as a firm is being informed by mm-hmm. our clients uh, but at the same yeah. time it was really insightful for our clients itself because they felt there was some peer um, 
you know, benchmarking going on where they could say, uh -huh, uh -huh. okay, this is what we see in other industries because it was by industry sector as well as by geography. So it gave yes. everybody really useful insights. Um, we had a great launch yeah. uh, panel set up as well with a famous radio host um, that, that resides here in Dubai. So all in all, two, two, very, um, two very great campaigns. And we've been so lucky as a team that we get the full support from the firm to develop those and then launch these. And it's also great for internal, you know, internal marketing in a way, because people get really excited about it. They want to talk about it with family and friends, like how cool our firms got their own NFTs. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, um, yeah, it's been really successful on all fronts. Oh my goodness. Well, we uh, we have to have you back on uh, maybe some point to just uh, go deep on uh, creating awareness campaigns and how you have to think through that and selling that into the firm and internal marketing, but it's fantastic. And uh, yeah, no wonder the award uh, pointed you out. Those are two really, really uh, very cool campaigns um, that really at the end of the day, uh, help the firm uh, really not only act as a business, but, but, but be more than just a legal service provider, right? They're an ecosystem player with with the rest of their, um, with the rest of you know clients and everybody else in between. So that's so that's incredible to see. So um, you had a couple points there, but that's a really good entrance into what we're talking about today, um, which is uh, technology rollouts and the internal marketing and communication that sort of goes along with technology rollouts. Um, why don't you sort of like set the stage in terms of? you know, what technology rollouts have you done? Maybe talk a little bit about uh, sort of where your role sits within the context of kind of technology rollouts. And then we'll go into some of the uh, the challenges that I'm sure 99.9% .9 of us face, 99 per, 99 .9 of us face uh, whenever we're thinking about technology rollouts and go a little bit deep, deeper into that. But yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about your history with technology rollouts within, within the within the legal firm and you know some ups and downs and everything in between and what you've done just to kind of give us a history a little bit yeah yeah of course no no issues um so we've had uh, we've had a number actually in the last couple of months even um including uh -huh. nexol which i'm very happy to talk about because that's currently sort of like a live um uh case if you like where we uh -huh. uh, have experienced having to set up again uh, a proper strategy for the rollout of the um, of the software itself or of the technology. Yep. And we've had another uh, couple of technologies that we have implemented in the last, um, say, two years. And then in my previous roles, um, I've done similar things. So it's nothing new to me. So with that experience, I think it's been quite useful to know what the starting point is and what is it that you need in order to launch things successfully. Now... Yep. One of the key points, I think, is um, to have, and, and this is what I alluded to earlier, is to have a, a mm -hmm. focus group in place. So yes. surround yourself with the people that are sort of like the early adopters, those that are very mm -hmm. open to mm -hmm. uh, change, to technology, because at the end of the day, everything that you do, the tools can be you know, as great as all the vendors say that they are, uh, but it's very much about adopting a proper change management um, and yes. because implementing of new uh, technology means that you need to change the current processes or that's effectively the idea of why you would implement technology right for efficiency reasons yes. or cost savings or whatever it is so it's really important to be especially as a marketing team um, I suppose to be surrounded by people and with that I mean those who would use the systems um, 
predominantly in this case, let's talk about Nexol, right? So in this case, oh. it would be the lawyers who would um, who would use it, but also the secretaries. So uh -huh. we basically put a very early on, we put a marketing focus group together. That's sort of like for the what we call our client user. So within the firm. But then uh -huh. there is also the other user group, which is the business development and marketing professionals. And as a team of now almost 30 people, it's very important that the whole my team would be on board uh -huh. with the system as well and knows how to use it because they would then have to ultimately, you know, show it in front of the groups that they work with and generally use it for projects and other things. So that piece is very important. And we did that re relatively early on. And also, I think with something like Nexel, but also with other technology, if you can find like one specific use case for it and you just yeah, gradually right. start to use it um, as if you've not done anything else within the business, and you slowly bring people on board to show them like, oh, look, this is really uh, useful. This is very cool. Uh, look how user friendly it is. And then they would react mm -hmm. to it. And you can say, oh, do you want to have a play with it? Like, just check it out without any sort of like formal launches, because then yes. that's the point where people go like, oh, gosh, there is another tool. What do I do with it? It's all very overwhelming, you know. And right, it doesn't have right. to be. So I think a gradual implementation is very useful, but that also means that you need to have a good pre-planning process in place because you can't That's just do this right. if you only have, I don't know, eight weeks to implement something, right? That doesn't work really well. So you need to have proper That's time. Right. We took we took a year um, to sort of like go through the motions with Nexel mm -hmm. in order to understand how it could work for us. And then we've... We've we've tested with a proper use case. We got a few people on board. They were really excited. And they, in turn, then influenced their teams to say, yes. oh, this is a really right. cool tool. This works, you know. Yes. So it wasn't uh -huh. us doing it, really, uh, to say right. this is what you need to use, but it was the business itself. And that's yes. perfect. Right. Wow. So, you know, you just described kind of like this bottom up strategy to almost complement a top down strategy. I, I know it's more nuanced than this, but, you know, you sort of described this slow, um, you, you know, focus group, focus group to use case, use case to champion sort of like roll out unofficial launch. And then eventually it comes to some point where it's like a top down sort of like launch. But at that point in time, it's really supported by a ground up effort. Is that kind of like a good model about how you think of it in a way? Yeah, exactly. And there was another thing that we did uh, before that, like when you have the opportunity to do it, I think it's highly recommended to put some sort of survey together where you already uh, preset some of the, um, if you have identified a system already that you think is going to be really good for your firm, then you uh -huh. can already use a few of these presets sort of like, um, requirements that you think are useful to have in a whatever technology you want to acquire and then you yeah. roll out the survey so you ask people for their views as in okay we're looking at x technology so it could be a crm system yeah. it could be a proposal software it could be anything right yeah. and then you just ask them like what do you think the requirements should be like how is this going to be mm. useful to you in your day-to-day -day? what would you like to see and then based yes, on that right, so right. everybody feels like they've already um, had a chance yes, to right. input and then totally. yeah and then we find the right tool for all the requirements that had been identified and we bring it to them as in okay we've made a selection of three tools we've tested those and out of these three we've selected this one because we thought it was coming as close to the, the requirements as you've all said it should have 
um, yes. as possible. So ta-da, here it is. This is what we're going to use. <laughs> and we want to, we, we need your help to roll it out. So yes, please can right, you help right. us? Yes, oh my God. I have to, let's ask a, a meta question just for two seconds. Mo moving us on, you, you know, you've been a leader for, for a while now and, you know, I'm, I'm getting myself into sort of a leadership capacity and, um, and really learning as kind of I go. I want to ask you, you know, when you think about the difference between a top-down and a bottom-up strategy, like, you know, you just, you just described this kind of really bottom-up strategy that comes along and ta-da, you know, there it is and it's what, you know, how do you balance in your mind, you know, sort of a top-down, like, this is the way it's going to be, everybody needs to do that versus kind of like a bottom-up, you know, buy, everybody sort of bought in, everything kind of runs, yes, maybe you've guided the process, you know, I mean, of course, it's not a black and white answer. And of course, the answer is yes, you have to do both at the same time. But as you've kind of matured and gone through your career, you know, where where does the power really lie? Does it lie in kind of a bottom up, everybody sort of bought in strategy versus a top leader, you know, bottom down? And I'm not saying that there's not room for this is the way it's going to be. But you understand my question. Like, how, how do you where do you lie today in terms of uh, in terms of getting and, and really making things stick and, and work and, and moving the business forward? Yeah, it's a very good question. And I think um, within what we do, as in how we've sort of like rolled this out, it's basically um, the the top down strategy is already weaved into it. So it's just yeah, right. a matter of how you communicate things, right? making yes. people feel that they are included, that they are part of yes. it, part of the decision-making, although the decision-making is already long done. Yes. Still, you can you can roll it out in a way that people feel like they, you know, they feel informed, they feel communicated with, um, yep. they feel important in the process, um, they feel that they have actually had an opportunity to say something and to make a decision in a way. Um, and then you go with mm -hmm. sort of like, uh, it's, it's all about, at the end of the day, I feel a lot of it is about communication. You can bring one message yes. in one way. I could have gone by, okay, I have selected this uh, platform and this is what we're going to use. It's not mm -hmm. going to give me the same result as if saying like, okay, let's get everybody on board. Let's get everybody's views, et cetera, et cetera. Although a lot of it is already has been sort of like pre-selected, pre-filtered because we know as a team exactly what yes. we want to work with and how we yes. like things to be done. And mm -hmm. I would like to say and think that we are the experts in this field, but it doesn't mean yeah. that we should completely exclude the end user of the product that we're trying to implement, right? That would be stupid. Right. So, yes. yes. But it doesn't require an email from me or right. from senior management to say, okay, listen, this is what we're now implementing. So everybody yes. needs to go with it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's double click. We had three pillars that we kind of wanted to talk around and you've already given us so much good information, but, but to, to structure a conversation, let's go through one of the, the three pillars are internal communication. The second is proving ROI. And then the last is firm wide buy-in. Now we've sort over the last 10 minutes, we've sort of gone into almost all of that. And you, and I think if somebody just listened into that portion, they'd, they'd, they'd really be able to hit all three. But let's, for, for purposes of structuring, let's go through internal communication. And yeah, give us some thoughts around internal communication. What does that mean? Maybe some tactics around what internal communication works like. Is that email? Is that sort of an all hands meeting? Is it better to sort of drip that out? You know, that, that's kind of what I'm looking around in terms of 
so that it sticks and people are like, wait, what? You know, because your your emails are not the only ones that are flying around everybody's inbox, you know, so that's oh, in and no. of itself very, very <laughs> difficult. Yeah. yeah, no, we hear that all the time. I think that's that's another thing where a lot of the times I see this in all firms, basically, is that um, as soon as a message is sent um, yes. or a meeting has been set up and there is only X number of people that have attended that meeting out of, um, you know, the total group of people that you ideally wanted to attend, we yeah. often tend to assume that then people still would know what's going on. Exactly. <laughs> but it's best <laughs> actually totally. to assume that nobody knows what's going on so that you basically spread right. your internal comms through different channels just to make sure that yes. you accommodate and cater to groups of people who may have a preference for a certain type of communication, right? There's those who'd love to read That's emails. Right. There's those who like to uh, see a video. There's those who like to attend a town hall. Yeah. You know, there's different ways to do it. Yeah. I think what I said earlier is where what we've done, I think, quite well with the rollout of Nixel is that we've made it part of the day-to-day -day already. So people, yeah. basically, especially the lawyers, I, I don't think they feel much difference because we've brought it into our biannual meetings, for example, that we have with uh, practice heads and with office heads. So we've shown all the data in a in a specific way so that they had, you know, client information all in one screen and easily sort of like accessible. And as we were going through the data, we could have easily put this in a PowerPoint presentation, right, and shown them in the PowerPoints. But I, I was like, no, yes. the data is the data is there. Um, it's easy to go through. And then at the yes. same time, they That's get right. used to seeing it without having to use it. It's just for me to display it. But they already felt like um, it's something yeah, that is right. is friendly to them to use, etc. So the implementation thereafter is actually relatively easy because it's not new to them. It's something that they've seen and now, oh, finally, we get to use it. That's great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, so that's that's really that's really interesting because specifically within technology, what you just sort of advocated for is you you, and then this goes back to your use case, you know, thing. It's like. It's like if you can drip the usage in, that's almost the best channel to to even roll out something like a technology rather than just a PowerPoint. This is why these are stats. Da, 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 all the rest of it. You know, you're you're sort of saying like the product can do some of the internal yeah. communication just by virtue of putting it in a sandbox. Is not the right word because that means something else to other people. But but in a, in effect, rolling it out very casually through through understood channels and letting them play with it in a not official manner that's like kind of if i'd have to summarize yeah it is I, I i agree i think it's also the as you say the playing with it right you have to play around with it yeah, i mean right. i think the issue that we face a lot of the times is where a project teams who try to roll out specific technology they get so right so sort of like invested in the technology itself and they yes, right, can't right, really right. see outside anymore so it's really important yes. to sometimes just step outside to take somebody um, who's never seen it before and ask them for their views and opinions and just like, how do you feel about this? Or how do you think about that? But also think about yourself. Like if you're being pushed um, on something yes. new, like I've experienced this right. now lately with my son's school and there is, I don't know how many applications I need to use and put on my phone and on my computer and to log whatever I need to look at and log and book and plan. It takes time, yes. right? To adjust to something new. That's right. 
And it's no difference to yes. rolling out technology within the firm. Like we have to give people time to adjust and to adapt. We can't expect them to, you know, change overnight, to start using it overnight. They need to see um, a purpose. They need to see why they should use it. And then that will help with their change. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So for the sake of time, we could probably continue on internal <laughs> communication. So much value already. So let's go to let's go to the next one that we wanted to kind of do is I don't know which one we should do next. There's proving ROI and then firm wide buy in. Let's 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 go to let's go to firm wide buy in. So you know, I I feel like I don't know if it's something different, but I sort of feel like whenever you're trying to get a technology to really be firm wide and really have everybody buy in, there seems to be to there has to be maybe something else in terms of commitment. Maybe that's a business strategy that that aligns with. Maybe that's making it a core part of kind of like the back. You know, is, is there some difference? Have, you want to speak a little bit about firm wide buy in? What does that mean? Sort of truly adopt something as, as foundational to sort of like the firm in, in that kind of way, even when there's people who probably don't really even use it or just are passively involved, but they kind of maybe understand it. Yeah. Do you want to say something about that? Is that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think for as an example from my team, we made it mandatory to put the data into the system and data i mean when we have a proposal for example and a re request for a proposal mm -hmm. we made it part of the process to log the entry into nexel and the reason for that is that i told them look at the end of each month i'm going to draw a report from it and this report mm -hmm. is going to be shared with senior management just because i want to mm -hmm. be able to identify which of the proposals that we've done link to our uh, strategy, as in there is a number of clients that we really want to do work for. Are they now listed on our monthly proposal report, i.e. are we getting any opportunities uh, through them? Uh -huh. And if you don't look this on uh, Nexel, on the system that we use, then they won't appear in the opportunities report that I'm sending to senior management. So then everybody saw, oh gosh, this is important. Like I need to ensure that as part of the process, I will log every RFP that comes in. Yes. And now we have, you know, um, you will have seen ours like a, a spreadsheet full of opportunities. So make it something mm -hmm. as a mandatory part in a process and then everybody will start to use it. And I think it's also yeah. now in, in this time um, a fear of missing out. So if your name is not on the That's list right. or if your client That's is right. not there. And I see this now, yes. especially with lawyers, you know, they want to make sure that all their data and all the great stuff that they've yeah. done, and rightly so, is listed and right. therefore also shared exactly. within the firm. So that's some of the things that yes. we've implemented to ensure that we had accurate data in the yeah. system. Another one that we've trialed before, which has worked really well, is like a challenge. So add mm -hmm. or apply mm -hmm. a bit of right. gamification. Um, and this yes. can be done across the wider firm. So from secretaries to, we had different prizes for each user group. So secretaries would uh -huh. get a prize for accurately recording all the data, the meetings, et cetera, within the system. But then there is yeah. other prizes for, you know, junior and senior lawyers for actually doing BD work and logging it on mm -hmm. the system. So it's twofold. Mm -hmm. One, we see an uptick in BD activity, which is obviously great for the firm. And secondly, we see people actually use the system, which is what we wanted anyway. So that's how we yes. sort of like made sure that we had a, a firm-wide um, adoption. Yeah, wow. 
Um, the gamification part is amazing. You know, as as you were talking, I was like, does Barbara just have a team of people who think about tech rollouts? I don't even know. I don't know if you do, but, you know, thinking about gamification and setting all this up, I mean, it's like I know how much stuff that you do. So how do you find the time? Seriously, how do you find the time to think through all like all of that kind of stuff? I mean, it's priorities, right? Obviously, I don't, I don't, but it's yeah, that's that's incredible that you're able to do that. Yeah. Any um I don't even know if there's a question in there. I just want to give you kudos to like thinking through all the different ways that you could roll it out. Yeah, what's your secret? In terms of rolling a set, you mean, or I guess I, I guess you know it's like just just launching stuff. There's not even a question in here. It's just in terms of like la launching stuff, even of it itself. It's like getting the team, getting your team, your internal team, to be able to support all of that. Can it st still still be so difficult? Um, I don't know. I guess how do you prioritize? Like, there's many things. Again, this is like a meta question. This is like there's many things that your team needs to do at any point in time where how do you how do you coach people on on prioritizing okay the launch is really important and then the rollout's really important but don't forget about the current campaigns that you're doing but also don't like don't forget about uh uh the nft thing that we have like yeah how are you how are you thinking through impact i, I guess that gets into our next thing which is proving roi but yeah like you, yeah, you no, sort of see what look, I'm trying to say. Yeah, I try, I, I, yeah, I, I understand. I think um, one of the things that is really important, I believe, also in leadership, is just to have passion for what you do. And the same goes for the implementation of whatever you try to implement. If I wouldn't show the passion yeah. for it, then I cannot yeah, expect yeah. for my team to be very, you know, excited about yeah. things that we're trying totally. to implement. Because that passion will then also show through, you know, my team, they will then deliver any session that needs to be delivered, speaking with yeah. our lawyers, with the wider business, yeah. with passion about the project. And passion is um, affectionate, you know. So I yeah, think people will right, pick right, up right, on right, right. people being very totally. excited about totally. it. If I go in with, yes. uh, we have a new system and yeah, we're going to yes, use right. it from, you know, next month. Or I say, oh, we've got a really exciting new tool and it's going to be perfect yes, for right. you as a lawyer to use it and to keep track on your BD activity and everything else. You'll be so much more productive, like we're so excited about it. That's yes, right. You know, then everybody is going to initially think, oh, there must be something to it. Um, and then generally, I, I think with projects and implementation and sort of like uh, ensuring success, I failed many times, like in previous yeah. um, roles, um, there has also been those that have not worked out really well. But what you do is you learn mm -hmm. a lesson yeah. from the things that haven't worked yes, right, well right. Uh, and you try yes. to avoid them the next time around or do them differently because you know that something is not working. So you have to shift um, gears and do it in a different way. Yeah, totally. I totally that's I'm so I'm so I'm so happy that I fumbled through asking you a question. But yeah, I mean, you know, passion and really the and and then and then the mindset around why having passion is good because even if it works that's great if it doesn't work there's a really big learning sort of opportunity in terms of why it didn't work and that in and of itself that can fuel enough passion that can really get everybody else sort of not only not only working but also working efficiently to really sort of want to do it and get that end result uh regardless of whether it is okay so that so that's great thank you for that let's go to our last conversation and then we're going to get you out of here because because I know it's late Friday night and uh, I'm sure you have many other things to do. And um, 
So let's talk a little bit about proving ROI. You know, we've kind of, if I had to step back and zoom out, we've had like this really big conversation about you got like kind of the pre-launch and this bottom-up buy-in strategy. Then you talked a little bit about kind of like the actual launch and then sort of, and then you talked a little bit about solidifying that across the entire firm. So, you know, so if I had to think about it, you know, like we've gone through kind of a, a life cycle of a technology rollout and now we get to the end and maybe it's time to show ROI. Maybe it's time to present to senior leadership. Maybe it's time to even renew something. How do you think about ROI here? How what's important to you? Not everything that can be, you know, measured matters. Not everything that that, that measures actually does matter. How are you thinking about ROI just just in terms, and then whenever you have to present that to stakeholders, including your own team, including your own self, you know, like what's, uh, yeah, how does Barbara think about return on investment for, for these sorts of things? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important. And especially as I mentioned uh, before, is that some of these technologies that I had implemented or tried to implement have filled. And one of the things that you look at or when you realize it has filled is obviously you look at the return on investment. Is the... Yeah money and the time and the energy that we've invested into something actually really worthwhile. And there's a few things I think that we need to take in mind when you um, look at measuring ROI. It's really important that before you embark on any digital transformation or implementing new technology sort of like journey, it's really important to define uh, your goals and objectives. So you have to understand what you want to achieve, right? Why are you doing this in the first place? So a lot of the times I think now, especially in this day and age, is there's so much that is coming our way. Like, as I say, new apps, new this, new that. And if we wanted to, we could just go away with like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah, something that I think we need to have. But it's more important to understand your processes and to make sure that you find something that will help to achieve your goals. And your goals could be very different. For some firms, it could be, you know, creating a greater level of efficiency. For some firms, it could be a collaboration. Uh, For some firms, it could be, you know, improvement or increase of revenue, uh, the bottom line, etc. Um, then mm-hmm. I think, secondly, it's really important to look at the costs. Um, so how much is the technology going to cost you? Uh, both like the direct costs mm-hmm. of like buying the technology, but also the implementation mm-hmm. costs, which is sometimes forgotten sure. about, like training, sure. time, etc. And then passion, the ben- passion, <laughs> you know, passion, passion exactly. Like, passion, yes, exactly. There's only such passion you can, that can go around, you know. True. True. And then you have to measure the, the, the benefits, right? You have to know how much, what is the benefit of the tool that you're going to implement in terms of what it going, what is it going to bring to your organization? So you have to identify that as well. And then the time frame, you know, uh, at the end of the day, yeah. uh, time right. is money, right. but also you have to understand how long is it going to take to go from point A to point B, like implementation. Yeah. Um, And that comes at a cost as well. As I say, time is money. And then with all of that, you know, there is a formula that you could use to sort of like calculate your ROI. um, And then you come to a certain number and eventually you will say, okay, this is fine. This is something that is within reason, something that we've set as a threshold. Um, You can look at Uh some benchmarking as well. Um, But I think overall it's like outweighing um, the level of investment that has gone into it versus what is it actually that we're going to get? And as I say, this is different for every firm, right? If it is 
money driven, like revenue focused, for example, um, then obviously sure. the cost is going to weigh a lot higher. Um, but if it's more about mm-hmm. collaboration, then maybe you're not necessarily very focused on the bottom line, right? But you want to ensure that you know right. people work together and you can measure that. So there's different ways yeah. of measuring, but it really depends on the starting point. What are your goals and objectives? Yes, totally. Well, basically, you're saying you should always start with the end in mind, basically, right? So the ROI is something that comes out at the end, but you always want to have that clearly defined before you start anything, effectively. That's that's a lot of what I heard in there. Um, yeah. Well, I think uh, I'm going to ask you... Uh, a strange question, but maybe maybe relevant because I'm just thinking out loud with you. And then we're gonna go ahead and end it, which is are there any is there any time where you don't want to put an ROI on something where you don't want to sort of say, what are we gonna get back? I, I honestly can't think of anything, even if it's non-quantifiable, even if it's qualifiable, like increased collaboration or just feel it feels good for the firm. But I don't know, it's it's a random question. But have, have you ever thought about something like that where you just say, we just want to do this but at the end of the day it's it, it's good for us maybe you know I don't know you see what I'm saying yeah well informally I would say yes there is a lot of we just want to do it but then yes, we right. turn us into okay how can we sell this within the business so eventually there so is far. going to be some sort of like measures in place to uh, justify the expense totally, basically totally. Um, so we yeah, reverse right. engineer that uh, we do that from time to time. Yeah, it right. is hard, you know, marketing, marketing generally, marketing campaigns are sometimes hard to measure, um, especially I sure. feel, you know, in the legal industry where we don't necessarily just get uh, leads that we can track because of certain activities that we've done. More and more so we can yes. see that we can use that data, which is obviously very useful, but um, that's still something that is sort of like up and coming. But I feel yeah. a lot of the time it's, yeah, there is always some sort of objective to the things that we do, right? Whether, as you oh, say, totally. totally, from it feels good to collaboration to increase revenue to sure. all sure. of that. Sure. Yeah. 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 Objectives at the end of the day, they're clarifying, right? Because it can just be a yes or no, regardless. Uh, maybe not so good in a marriage or a family, you know, <laughs> but maybe sometimes maybe it's so good. I was just thinking about the difference between a, a business and a partnership and a and relationship with your kids sometimes there's clearly no roi to going to like uh that uh, that next uh that next birthday party or, or something that she had to go to but regardless well i think that that's uh, a really good place to stop uh any last words anything that's sort of triggered uh, as you're thinking about any reflections that you want to leave us with before we get out of here well, a really good implement- implementation team at the vendor side is obviously going to u- help sort of like accelerate the adoption within the firm itself. So mm-hmm. when you look at vendors, that's one sort of like final tip I wanted to share is to also speak mm-hmm. with the team who are actually going to help you with training, with implementation, because often we only speak with the salespeople and then we're being handed over to you know right. the implementation team or uh, the success Very team or whatever, yeah, or whatever it's called, um, only after we've signed a contract. But it's actually really very important that you feel you have a strong connection with that team, that you think your lawyers will be pleased to work with them, that they will right, be able right. to deliver the right messages, etc. And yes, um, right. I'm glad to say that we found that in Nexel, so that's a real benefit. Um, but it is really important. We've noticed that that makes a, a huge difference. 
Well, thank you so much for saying that. And shout out to the entire Nexo client service team, Stephen and everybody else doing an incredible job. Not only that, but they are some of the nicest people that I think I've ever met in my life. And it's just a pleasure to work with them. And talking about nice people that you to work with, Robert Conan, who is the BD and marketing director at Altamini. Thank you so much again for being on the This Legal Life podcast. I'm sure we will speak again, and I hope to see you actually IRL very, very soon. I don't know where we're going to go. Maybe the, um, may, probably the uh, the IBA. I, I'm, we're actually going to be going there this year, but uh, yeah, so I, I know I'll probably see you there. But Barbara, thank you so much for staying down with me. It's always a Thanks pleasure for to see me. you. Thank you. Yeah, you as well. All right, everybody. Well, take care. We will be back with another This Legal Life podcast, uh, all things relationships. Um, so if you have a topic that you'd like to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Shout out to me. You know, uh, just put it in the comments or reach out to me. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn and definitely connect with Barbara. She has uh, not only great, uh, great content uh, that she puts out. She just put out a really cool post about her I'm starting in Qatar. That was really great and got lots of lots of loves and likes. Uh, but she's just a great person to to know uh, if you are in BD and marketing as well. All right, everyone, take care and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.